live from Los Angeles at Sinai Temple. This is Rabbi Erez Sherman and Rabbi on the Sidelines, a podcast where we speak about the intersection of sports and faith. This morning, we are joined by Coach Jim Beheim, 45 years at Syracuse University, NCAA champion 2003, member of the Basketball Hall of Fame, 33 NCAA tournaments, five Final Fours, advocate for coaches versus cancer, the special needs community, and most importantly, just a wonderful mentor and leader to so many. Coach, it's so wonderful to have you. Thanks for joining us in snowy Syracuse, I hear. <laughs> yeah, we just had our normal April snow shower. Uh, it's, it's flaring up. I think it'll be it'll be all gone tomorrow. But yeah, we're we're used to that. You know, you live in Syracuse as you have. You you know it can snow in April, sometimes even May. But then it's usually good after May. <laughs> <laughs> I know my kid is nine years old, and uh, when it drizzles, they put on a winter coat. And I said, you got to go back to Euclid and show them what it's about. <laughs> so uh, this, first of all, I want to thank you for not just being here, but the presence on the court and off the court as well. Um, you actually got me, you don't know this, but through rabbinical school, because my summer job was working at the Coach Bayheim camp at the Dome for five summers. So lots of prayers were going on at those wonderful courts as well. Um, but we're going to start based on what you've done. You've done everything in the basketball world, national champion, final fours, U.S. Olympic, every accomplishment you have done. But what I am so grateful for on a personal level in my family is what you have done off the court for the special needs community as well. As of course, you know, my brother Ayal of blessed memory was an amazing, not just fan, but literally you welcomed him into the family of Syracuse basketball. What motivates you off the court to do those things that to be honest, ESPN and all those networks, they just don't see. Well, the great thing that you get, in, especially in a smaller town like Syracuse, you're the only game in town, and you are blessed as we are in Syracuse with 30,000 fans coming to our games. The support that we get from the community um, is it, unbelievable. I mean, we get a couple thousand students, but we get 28,000 Syracuse fans who live, you know, pretty much in the Syracuse area, a little bit Rochester, maybe a few in, in Albany. But it, when you get that kind of support, you have to give back to the community. Mm-hmm. I think that whether you're a basketball program or a business uh, in a community, you get so much from the community. Uh, if you're a business, the workers you have that make your business successful. Uh, people that buy your products. Uh, and, and I think we're all really obligated to give back to our community. And we've been able to do it through a lot of different ways. And we started with Coaches Versus Cancer, which we still support. But now through our foundation for 10 years, we've given $6 million back out just in this community. The good thing about having your own foundation is it, it stays we can dictate where it goes, the money goes, and all of our money stays here in Syracuse. Some very little small part for cancer research, but most of it for groups that work with kids. So last year we gave, I think, in the neighborhood of $600,000 out to 50 different organizations. So we give some organizations $5,000 or $3,000, and it gets them, it's a small organization that, that's a lot of money for them. In other cases, we'll, we maybe give up to fifty or $100,000 to an organization. 
Uh, but generally, they're smaller grants, and we can touch more kids uh, with after-school programs, with summer camp programs that, you know, particularly now, there's not much funding for. So to be able to do that in your own community, and the payback for me is because they support us in our basketball program. So it's, it's really an obligation uh, to raise that money. We're having our gala this yes. uh, Saturday, which is virtual. We'll have people from all over the country. We'll have 90 auction items. We'll, we'll have Syracuse fans from all over the country uh, bidding on stuff. So all that money goes right back in here. We have one part-time staffer. Uh, and that's all the only expense that we have. We don't have office expense. We, we take a little corner of a closet here in, in the Mellow Center, and we use that for, uh, you know, just once a week. And so we have no expenses. So people know they give us their money. It's going directly uh, to kids in our community. So, but to answer your question, I mean, this is why we, we, we get so much support and so we've been able to put back. I mean, we do a luncheon for ladies, which is kind of make fun to yep. make a wish. And yep. we raise $100,000 at that luncheon every year. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a fun event. The players go. We, we have 600 ladies there. And uh, no better organization than, than the Make-A-Wish one. Absolutely. Actually, and we've been a recipient of that as well. And so you spoke about the dollars that go to the organizations. What about the relational piece as well? I'm going to show a picture real quick that you might remember or might not. Give me one moment here. Um, actually, I don't see that come up. I'm sorry. Um, but about the kids, I know there are a couple of kids that your team has adopted in 1996. Actually, um, I was honored with Ayal to uh, come to the final four practice and he drew a picture with his mouth. And I vividly remember you stopped practice, brought all of the players over John Wallace, Otis Hill, Donovan was on that team. And I remember you told the guys we're going to the Meadowlands tomorrow, but this is what it's about. What are those lessons that you teach those, if you wish teenagers and college kids on the court that they're doing so much more than buddy hitting all those threes, which of course we love just as well. Yeah, you know, the great thing is we take the kids, our players to the hospital. We take them to the, you know, the cancer ward. Uh, you know, obviously kids in tough positions. The Make-A-Wish luncheon we bring our kids to, and there's many Make-A-Wish kids there. Um, and we bring to practice kids all the time. We've adopted a kid uh, who is uh, a special needs kid, and he comes to practice uh, most mm -hmm. days. And we've had two of those kids over the last few years. And you know, that's, that's a great reward. And it's something that our players really learn something from, I think. That's one of the reasons we do it. We help those kids, but I think our players get to understand something. We went to a school just the other last week in, the, in down in the inner city, and just to see the kids there, uh, how happy they were to see the players. I mean, those are all good experiences for our players. They need to learn you know, to be involved in their community. We all need to learn. It's mm -hmm. part of going to college. You know, there's a lot of college kids now that are really involved in the community that do do work in the in the, in the inner city with kids. So uh, the more we do that, I mean, it's, it's – and, and you really get more from it 
than you ever put into it. Absolutely. It's, it's uh, amazing. We, we do a dinner for Boys and Girls Club, and they bring the top kids from the Boys and Girls Club in the Syracuse area. They sit with our players, they ask questions, uh, they get autographs. I mean, those are big moments. And mm-hmm. it's, it's all part of being involved in your own community. Uh, to me, uh, a lot, most coaches do this. There's not a lot of recognition, but most coaches are really involved in their communities. And, you know, we have a platform. So, you know, right. we raise more money than any organization in town because our fans are, you know, especially when we win, when we have a good year, <laughs> they give give a little bit more money. We are with you no matter what, no matter what. All the years that you said fill the seats, I promise you, believe me, my brother was there for every game. Oh. I'm pushing through the snow. And I know also uh, Julie would say this as well, and especially uh, in the coach versus cancer, she, or the basketball last year, she mentioned that that wheelchair section is near and dear to her heart as well. And uh, being part of that section, just like it's, it's like a family, like no other. Well, Julie's uh, got, came here and got her master's in, in the education school, working with kids with special needs. That's what she did and, and does. And she runs the foundation. She's the prime mover, prime worker, prime fundraiser in our family. And she's done an amazing job uh you know, getting our foundation to where it is today, and uh, which I, I never thought would get to this point where we could raise up to a million dollars a year. So it's been really through her her work that this has all happened. So here's a short clip of the basketball from last year. We hope that you will join in this year, and this is exactly the work that Coach Beheim is speaking to do anything for 44 years takes tenacity and passion to be a coach for 44 years. Well, something's got to be wrong with you, really. <laughs> the first time I met Coach, he was 30 years old, and he was assistant coach recruiting me. The next time I saw him, he was a head coach, and I'd signed to come to Syracuse. It took a very short period of time to understand that he knew basketball really well. That plaid coat followed us around. It was our good luck charm. I don't know what Jim did with that plaid jacket. It was a good look, though, huh? He's come a long way. We'd have a morning practice really early, and then coach would say, listen, I want you all to get together. And then we'd go over to Upstate Medical Center to the Terminal Children's Ward. Coach would have us all together. It was just like a big family. It was a great way for us to bond also as a team. We played checkers, we played Monopoly, we played these games. And it was so funny because we never won. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm getting taken to the cleaners by these kids. I'll never forget the first time one of the nurses just came over and, and was giving us all a big hug because she said, these kids haven't had this much fun since they've been up here. So can you go through that, what you do? I know that's not just when Rosie was there, but really it's every single year you take the guys to upstate. And like I said, there've been calls to your office uh, when we were in upstate and within minutes, there was a player by our side and that mattered. Take us through those visits. Yeah. I mean, they're heartbreak, heart wrenching. Uh, when we first started to go, it was, uh, you know, you know, a long time ago, 45 years ago. And in fact, I think we went when I was an assistant coach. So, and you see these kids and they're, they're up, they're in bed, they're, they're hooked up to IVs. They're, you know, some are able to get around, some can't leave their bed. And, you know, it, it's heartbreaking. And uh, it's just, uh, but it, it brings something to their day. I mean, I, 
I've, I've met kids, uh, even in the last couple of years who were on those wards who survived and were mm-hmm. still alive. That, that's 45 years ago. Uh, but it was, it's a big day in their lives that we're there. And, um, because going through cancer treatment, there's nothing worse than that you can see uh, watching a kid go through that. And the spirit they have, the, the toughness they have, um, it is inspiring to you and to, inspiring to our players. These kids, they're not complaining about being tired. They don't complain about, well, we're having too many practices. I've got too much work to do. They're smiling, they're happy, and they're, you know, getting cancer treatments every day. So mm-hmm. it's a good lesson for our players. It's inspiring for me. Absolutely. Go there and see these kids. So actually we end we uh each each coach and each person I speak to last week, Coach Doherty was on the show. Next week, Coach Martelli, obviously a good friend of yours with the coaches versus cancer as well. Um Faith in sports. That's the premise that I ask, right? Not many coaches have been on a podcast with a rabbi. Um, Big East, full of Catholic uh, schools. Coach Doherty told some funny stories about four-letter words that he used on the bench and within front of the priest that got a little uh, dicey. But is there an aspect of faith on the court, in the dome, in the locker room, between players and coaches? Well, you know, it's interesting. We start out with a, a Catholic priest who was our team chaplain for the first 20 years I coached, Father Charles, mm-hmm. who's famous in our local community, was a very talented man, put on plays, and I mean, Broadway-type plays, quality. And he was with us 20 years, and now we have a FCA Fellowship of Christian Athletes uh, guy with us, and he comes to practice every day, and he travels with us. And he sits with the players. Uh, he counsels the players. It's good for the players to have another voice, another ear to, to, to go to. Uh, you know, coaches are good. We do our job. We're constantly talking to our players. But it's good to have somebody outside the coaching fraternity to talk to. So I think that's a very important our young kids today get thrown a lot of things. There's a lot of stuff going their ways with social media, with all the different things that are there. And I think it's it's really good for them to have another voice, somebody else that they can talk to. And that's important. That's a very important uh, part of their development as, as a player, that they have that opportunity to, and, and we have players of all different, you know, levels of what their faith is. Mm-hmm. It's important to give them that opportunity to, to see what's there and to develop it as they move forward, just as it's important to develop uh, their basketball side, their social side, their academic side. That's all part of we get a kid who's 17 years old and we're going to have him hopefully for four years, not as much today, (laughs) but you want to have a good influence on your players in terms of on off the court as much as their development on the court. And so all that is, is all part of being a college coach really always has been, but it's, I think even more important in today's world because the players are pulled in so many different directions. 
actually, and the Jewish players, some of that you had over the years, landed up at our synagogue in our community as well. So it's uh, been a wonderful uh, partnership as well. There was one time that you uh, actually uh, said, the rabbi makes more suggestions at your practices than he does at the synagogue. So uh, <laughs> there has been a rabbi on the sidelines before. <laughs> you know, um, it's fortunate that I don't hear most of that help. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you familiar with Yeshiva University and their, uh, their, their basketball program right now? They're actually, the I'm not that familiar with what they're doing. Yeah, so actually Mike Sweetney, uh, Georgetown Hoy, is one of the assistant coaches oh, there wow. right now. He um, was yeah, and they actually have the longest win streak in NCAA because there's no tournament for D3. 36 wins right now. Um, and their balance of faith is really, really fascinating. And uh, just as you spoke about the priests being involved, and here's Mike going actually to a uh, very religious institution, and they're uh, they're doing some amazing things as well. One guy's actually possibly uh, going to be drafted in the in the draft as well. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. So you wrote this book a couple of years ago, Bleeding Orange. If you haven't read it, definitely grab a copy. The insides of Coach Beheim and really uh, what makes you go. And you really speak really highly of your parents and your father. And you spoke about fear and that back in the day there was a fear, but that fear hasn't gone away. And you've no. been on every biggest stage and you say every moment you still have that fear. What, what does that mean and what does that feel like when we're watching on TV? Well, before every game, you're worried about what's going to happen. You got to do the right things. Your team's prepared. Uh, you know, you're always worried about that stuff. And when you, you know, when you stop worrying about it and you don't care that much, you should not probably be in it anymore. But it's always there. I think there's actually less fear when you're playing because you know what you can do and you feel confident. It's just you. But when you're a coach, you're, you're relying on all these other guys and the players and the referees and all the other things that go into being a coach. So uh, it's just oh, there's a constant fear that, you know, to get this thing right, get through this and make sure we do the right things and make sure you do your job and make sure that the players are prepared uh, to do what they want to do and be successful. Because as a coach, you want your players to, to be successful. There, there's no happiness when you lose. I mean, <laughs> you, you can want to play, you can enjoy playing all you want, but if you, if you don't win, there's no, there's no really happiness for players. That's just uh, the way it is. And uh, it, it's not a bad thing. You want to, you want to, compete and you want to play at a high level and you want to be successful. Uh, so when you're coaching your sons, like I did this year, well, next year. Yeah, two of them. Family reunion. We're excited about that. Well, you want your sons to be successful. You know, you want them to play well. You want them to win and, and be happy. And uh, as a coach, you want your players to, and your team to be happy and your fans. You want them to be happy. And, uh, you know, you really – buy into that. That's what coaching's about. Uh, and uh, it's just a, there, there's in, in coaching and in sport, there's no gray area. You know, it's pretty much black and white. You win or you lose, you know, and a lot of other things you do. Well, we did pretty good this year. We did this or we did. No, you either win or you lose in, in sports. So uh, it doesn't matter if you came close. It doesn't matter if you know, in, in a lot of businesses, you can do really, really well. You didn't even win. You, know, you maybe not be the best, but you did really well, and you had a good, successful year. Mm -hmm. uh, but in, at the end of the day, in, a, in coaching, you win the game, you lose. It's yeah. simple as that. And uh, in most things in life, you can be very successful. And 
you, you don't necessarily have to get to that point where it's all or nothing, but in sports, it's pretty much all or nothing. And um, it's just part of the deal. So a lesson that your mom taught you when you were a walk-on at Syracuse with uh, Dave Bing, your roommate, Hall of Famer, just amazing, amazing man, was she told you, and I quote, you don't have to be as good as him. You just have to be as good as all the others. Yeah. What does that look like in today's world with obviously the transfer portal and everybody wanted to be better than the other? What what does that look like in terms of – would you be able to teach that lesson to your own kids today? It's, it's difficult today because – Players are, it's a short-term thing. If you're not being successful right now, you leave. You go someplace mm-hmm. else. And the problem and what we're going to find out, and we knew in the past, it was just always a number of transfers. There was a couple hundred. And a hundred didn't do well. You know, didn't they didn't find a better place. Maybe they weren't in a good place, but maybe it would have worked out, whereas it didn't work out for 100, 120. And maybe it worked out for some. But now we have 1,400 players transferring. That's crazy. And it's not going to work out for half of them probably. And would they have been better where they were? Well, that's a hard question. I think when a guy's not playing at all, like we had two guys transfer last year, they weren't playing. So they theoretically would go someplace better. It didn't work for them. They didn't play more. But we're going to have four, two or three guys leave that were playing and would play a lot here next year. Will they play where they go? Uh, there's no answer to that. You know, we'll see. But it's just, uh, you know, sometimes it's better to work through things. But if, you know, the, of the 1,400 players out there, there's seven or 800 of them, it's not going to work out. Mm-hmm. Now, you can say, well, they did what they felt they wanted to do, and so you can say that's a good thing. But we'll see how it all works out at the end. Um it's a difficult time because you you can't develop the continuity with your team that you'd right. like to two or three guys developing to where they would really play big roles and now they're gone. So we have to bring somebody else in who's new to the program and we'll have to fit them into what we're doing. And, you know, coaches will make this adjustment. Uh, I think coaches will be fine. You know, Duke, Kentucky, top schools, they're going to lose play. They're going to get players. You know, mm-hmm. we're going we're gonna to get players. Um, will make it work. Will it work for all of the players that left? You know, it won't, but we'll find, we'll find out down the road. Um, but it's a different time in college right. basketball. And when the NIL comes in, players will be able to make money. That's a good thing in a lot of ways uh, for players to be able to capitalize on their internet, on their different things that they can do, their images. But, you know, do we really want these guys to be professionals? They're 18 years old, 19. Right. I always mm-hmm. say, well, coaches make a lot of money, so players should make a lot. Well, players are 18 years old, you know. Uh, I didn't make any money until I was 35 years old in coaching. I really didn't make any then until I was really 45 or 50. I mean, it's ludicrous to say players should be getting money. They're kids, you know. They're, 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 they're going to make money, and that's good. I mean, before they had a full seventy thousand dollars scholarship and right. some meal money, so really kids were getting a thousand bucks a month and meals and free education, which isn't bad. It's, it's really not bad. But now I just they paid off my loans two years ago, so it's, yeah, it's good. I mean, it's good. <laughs> college athletes don't have to pay off any loans. They, you know, right. they got money all the way through, and so I mean, they're, they're, 
college athletes. And you remember this. There's 3,500 college basketball players. 3,400 of them aren't going to play professionally. Exactly. So 3,400 college athletes, basketball players, got a free education mm-hmm. and have no bills, nothing to pay back, and they were never going to be pros. And they had a great experience of playing in college. We charter, we fly everywhere. You know, it, it's tutors, everything you need, weight training, everything. Um, you know, a scholarship's really worth about $150,000 when you count all the extra things that are thrown in there. So I think kids have it well, good, but they're going to make more money. They're going to be able to capitalize, and and I think it's great. I'm, I mean, it's fine. My buddy's share of something in the social media thing was at like 47 when he was in this running made the tournament. If he'd have been getting money this year from the internet, he probably would have made a lot of money from that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how it all works, but I know it works. That you, <laughs> get more views on your Instagram or whatever it is, you can monetize that. And so, I mean, that'll be good. Uh, it'll just be so different as we right. move forward. And uh, It's still important for players to realize they've got a great opportunity. They're going to get a great education. And for the most part, kids do. There's a myth that the good college players don't go to school. and That's just not true. Mm-hmm. We graduate most all of our play, almost all of our players, all of our players that stay four years. We have guys that have left early and are coming back to take right. courses. So they do get education, even if you only got two years of a college education. That's better than none. And, that's true. That's and true. Most of them will try to finish. So it's a different time, but it's a fun time in a lot of ways, and there's a lot of things to navigate. And uh, you know, I like doing it because it's uh, it's challenging it always has been challenging but it's still fun to get a team together uh get them to play together we struggled during the year we couldn't quite we were young we weren't quite able to get it to where we wanted to to the end of the year and then we played great at the end of the year and got in the tournament played great uh so you know, it was a great experience but uh, every year is different we're starting over next year we have a lot of new players and uh I think we'll be pretty good. I think we'll be a good team. we got a lot more size, and uh, we have more veteran players than we've had in a long time. We'll have three or four seniors, a couple of juniors, which is the most kind of veteran team we've had in a long time. So you said, uh, just what you said before, that things change, but you have that energy every year. We have a tradition that says, the old shall be renewed, and the new shall be made holy. And I think you do an amazing job you step on that court every November and it's like, you're doing it for the first time. Um, and that, that renewed energy is amazing for all of us to, uh, to see. And like you said, you bring uh, just strength to, to so many people. One last uh, person that influenced your life is your dad. And within our tradition, the highest thing that can be done is actually accompanied a loved one to uh, the resting place of eternity. And your dad was a mortician. And I know, you know, you joke about it in the book that it's in your home and everything like that. And as a child, you're around that. But what type of uh, impact did that have, just going back to the first question that I asked, in terms of the giving back and obligation and watching your dad be in that business, if you wish? Well, it's a tough business. It really is. And, you know, it was in our home, so you saw it every day. And it, it hardens you a little bit, the, the idea of death and, and to, you know, all of that. It, 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 it does when you live it every day and take out the bodies out picked up bodies when I was 14 years old. 
So, I mean, it's just something you're used to. My father was uh, interesting. He was a tough guy. He, him and I clashed a lot. And my mother kind of smoothed it over as, as much as possible. But he was very competitive. I mean, he made me competitive. We, we, we batted. Everything we did was competitive. Hard game of poker, of ping-pong game, of pool game. Everything was competitive. He pushed me. He didn't want to lose. I didn't want to lose. And he made me the competitor that I am. There's no question about it. He, he just had that competitive gene. My mother was a better athlete, better at a lot of games than, than either of us were, and, but she didn't even care. You won. So <laughs> even when you're not, you don't care about the outcome. She won the club championship in golf one year. She felt bad for the other, the lady. I said, well, you won. That's the, I don't, she literally didn't care. She really did. And that's, that's unusual. I mean, she would win. She'd try to win. She would, you know, she won a lot. And, uh, but yeah, she really didn't care. And that's, that's highly, you don't see that too much. And somebody that is good and is plays to win, yet really doesn't care. And my so, father, we just care about winning, so we're different. <laughs> so I'm sitting down the street here from UCLA. Uh, what do you think of that run right there from the last four into the final four? Well, it's amazing. Michigan State really should have won the game probably in the very first game, and, and UCLA pulled it out, and then they just got going. And I mean, what a difference that one little thing makes. And now you go there and, and they played great basketball. It wasn't a fluke. They were, I mean, I saw them play early in the year because we played San Diego State. San Diego State, I think, beat UCLA by 20 or 25. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it was. And uh, the way Mick Cronin brought that team around, he's a great coach. We yeah. coached against him many times in the old Big East. Yeah. Uh, a great coach and different, you know, different style. And I, I don't think UCLA thought it was going to – the people, the fans they didn't think it would be that successful. He's a different mm-hmm. guy. He's going to be defense and going to be toughness. But you know what? Fans like to win. Mm-hmm. And all those fans at UCLA that were that skeptical, they're all on board now. They're all yes. on board until they don't win. But, I mean, they're on board now because they won. And that's what – in coaching, it's simple. I tell coaches all the time. You know, they asked me, we talk, and young coaches, what do you have to do? Well, I said two things. You have to get good players. And you have to win. If you do those two things, nothing else matters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, it's so true. A lot of Bruins fans watching here, and actually a lot of Trojans fans too. So Pac-12 totally coming up. And They came out big time this year. My son and I, Jimmy, we always knock them. We talk about them. And then at the end of the year, we said, well, we were wrong this year for sure. They, the league played great. I mean, you can't. I, you know, I, I like to see what you do on the court, I mean, uh, in, in the tournament. Because, you know, the Big Ten was number one all year long, and they didn't do much in the tournament. And the Pac, you know, 12 was not good. And there they come. They were the best league in the tournament. And that's important. It's not the only thing, but that's very important. But uh, it was fun to see the tournament play out. And Baylor and, and Gonzaga were the two best teams. And as it turns out, Baylor really was the best team. They mm-hmm. were a tremendous team. If they hadn't had the COVID issue, they probably would have gone undefeated. Uh, they were just knocked back for a couple of weeks. But I mean, they just – it was it – was, Mark Few's a really good friend of mine. I, love, I get along well with Scott Drew as well. But Mark Few's been a friend of mine for a long time. He had a great team. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, there was just literally nothing he could have done. Baylor was just better. They just got after him. I knew it was going to be a tough game because Houston's the best defensive team we've seen. Like, that was wow. crazy. Yeah. We were playing really good offense, and we could do nothing against them. We we had opportunities. We just didn't finish things. And, uh, we had trouble scoring inside. And, uh, but when they when Baylor just took them apart, I, I knew that Gonzaga was in trouble. So last, last question going totally away from basketball, but in the news, the Kentucky Derby. A horse is a long shot, I believe, with Adam Weissman. Uh, what, maybe some prayers for uh, this horse. Tell us what Kentucky Derby, how's that going to turn out, and what's your involvement in that? Well, I believe in prayers, but prayers will not help this horse. <laughs> <laughs> prayers help ourselves, not the horse. Yeah, they'll help ourselves. They're they not going to help us. This horse gets the last horse in the Kentucky Derby, and about five or six horses had to drop out before it got in. And uh, I own a couple tail hairs on this horse. You know, that's about how much I've got in it. Uh, but it'll be fun. We're going to go, go down there and, and uh, enjoy. The Kentucky Derby's great. It's a fun event. We're taking uh, some of our friends down there. So we'll have a good time. But uh, this horse will need a lot of help, uh, trust me, to, <laughs> to even get you know in the mix there for a little while. Uh, there's some doubt that the, the horse can make it all the way, but I think it will. <laughs> so, well, we will be definitely praying for that horse. Um, this Saturday night, April 24th on cnycentral.com, you can watch wherever you are. The Basketball, one of the premier events in central New York, raising lots of amazing dollars for coaches versus cancer. Um, and really doing the good work within the Syracuse community, in the basketball community, and beyond. Hopefully this morning, lots of Bruins fans were converted to Orange fans as I bring the Orange pride here. There's two things that I miss, Coach, about Syracuse. It is the Carrier Dome and your team and a slice of varsity pizza. So when you are uh, back out in L.A. with a buddy or training, we hope you visit us here at Sinai Temple, um, and we will look forward to seeing you then. Rabbi on the sidelines next week, Coach Phil Martelli, Assistant Associate Head Coach of Michigan. Amazing, amazing man at St. Joe's for many years. Um, And next Tuesday, the president of Team Israel Olympic baseball team, Peter Kurtz, as they vie for a medal in Tokyo. Thank you to Coach Jim Beheim, Syracuse University, Hall of Fame, 2003 national champion, 45 years, five Final Fours, 33 NCAA tournaments. But in our tradition, Coach, we say a mensch, just a truly a good person. Coach, thanks so much for having us. Thanks for being